Welcome to the Nightly Rant. I'm Mike. And I'm Toria. This is the show where we talk about the awful things that have happened in our day, the awesome things that have happened in our day, and all the things in between. Thanks for listening, and we truly hope you enjoy. What's up? It's a ceiling. You always say that. At least I'm consistent. Maybe. Always. Not really. If I always say something, it means I'm consistent, butthead. Sometimes I say the sky, though, so you can't say I always say the ceiling. Yeah. Sometimes I also... Last time you said the sky. Because we were outside. No, we were inside and we were talking about it. And you said the sky... And I said, and, and then you said, well, technically, maybe they're in an airplane or a spaceship. And I said, well, those things are in the sky. And then we had this big, long discussion about, about it. About what actually constituted the sky? Yeah. I remember that. We had to agree to disagree on that topic. Yes. Because we were both technically right. Just coming from different angles. Yep. yep. So. Tell me. No. The dog. He's sleeping. He, but the dog is like this neurotic bundle of fur. You mean like he sniffed a bird feather and then the bird feather sniffed to his nose and then he freaked out and trampled my foot? Yeah, and it looked like he was like running in fear from the feather. He was, it touched his nose. I mean, and he's so neurotic. (coughs) One of us leaves for the day. And the dog has to, like, go into a mope fest. He pouted all day today. He pouts every day when you're not here. Yeah. He's, like, Captain Emotional, like I said. He's like a ball of nerves. He doesn't like it when all of his people aren't here. Yeah. He understands that they are only here half the time. Yeah, he seems to grasp that now. At first, he didn't, but he seems to grasp that now. I remember when I first moved here, what he really didn't like was the Mondays where you would drop them off at school. Because they had been here for the entire weekend. And then you would drop them off at school. And then you would go to work. And it would just be me and him all day. And he was just like Captain Depression. Yeah. I felt bad for him. That he's like that. But at the same time, it's kind of silly behavior when you mm-hmm. think about it. You've never not come back. Well, like, that's it. You know what? At first, it wasn't silly behavior. It was, he was trying to adjust and he didn't know. So he had the separation anxiety thing going on. But, like, I always come back. Even when there's four days in between when I first left and when I come back. I still come back. I have to say, the time, the, the two times he went to Indiana, <clears throat> the first time he was more more traumatized than the second time, because the first time he watched you leave, yeah. and the second time he didn't. That dog, I don't know, I care about him so much, I love that dog. <laughs> He's a cute little guy. You know who else is a cute little guy? My butt cuddler back here, Parker. Parker, the cat, yeah. He's, um... He's biting me. He has really come out of that shell that he was in, though. Oh, no, he's licking me. Parker's just crazy like that. 
getting skinny. Like Yogi's always been like out there personality. Not so with Parker. No, he used to hide from us. Now he doesn't. Now he assaults me. Jumps up on the couch, walks across my chest while I'm working on my computer. He actively seeks us out as compared to before he actively tried to avoid us. Right. That's a huge difference. I know, he's like a completely different cat. If you met him now and back then, all at the same time, you would be like, these cats aren't even related. You would think they were two different cats. Yeah. You would. Huh. But I just think it's amazing. And then it was cute today when I'm working, she's sending me pictures of Parker, the cat, and Yogi, the cuddling. dog, cuddling on our couch. They were cute. In all different positions. It was really funny. I took a picture every time they moved. It was so cute. And they like each other, like clearly, those two. Mm-hmm. So that's they good. They say, we boys have to stick together. The two female cats are ru- ru- ruling the roost. Well, I wonder if Yogi can find out from Parker what's been going on that's been setting off Olive at night. Parker is what's setting off Olive at night. But what is he doing? He's saying rude things in cat Well, that's language. what Yogi needs to find out. Yogi, you're going to find it out for me, okay, bud? Okay. Yogi does whatever I tell him. Yogi will find that out. I think Parker called Olive a bitch and now she's permanently angry. Could be. Maybe he used the C word. That's the word men are usually smart enough. That's a word men are generally smart enough not to use. Well, women, women, on the other hand, they're like they're like black people in the N word. Women, women have their whole, you know, they don't want to. Don't you dare call me the C word. But then they call each other the C word. Well, bitch is the same way, too. It's like crazy. Women can call each other that, but. Don't even dare, if you're a man, call a woman that. The world will end. None of that makes any sense. Nobody should use the N-word. Nobody should use the C-word. And nobody should use the B-word. Right, if the word is so offensive, nobody should be able to use it. So either the word needs to stop being offensive, or people need to stop using it. Right. And since clearly people don't know how to stop being offended by it. (laughs) Right? Then they just need to eliminate it. Period. Didn't he see one way or the other? I don't really care which way. Yeah. Pick one. Stick with it. Yeah, and it needs to be consistently one way or the other. Right. So that's something I think is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. But what have you been thinking about this parenthood so far? We're, We're winding up season five so we have one more season left after this if i am right about what happens one more time it's going to be officially the most predictable show i've ever watched in my life but i am really enjoying it it's good but it's predictable (laughs) but maybe real life is predictable but it's not i think it is do you to an extent not that predictable yeah i think in you're only, I mean, all they're showing us are generalized events. So you're only predicting generalized events. And as far as generalized events events go, I mean, we read the writing on the wall last year. We knew what was coming up. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're guilty of that as well. You know, of just seeing the snippets of our life and not 
the big picture. And that's why, you know, that's why the whole strategic planning thing is so important to me is I want to at least have a skeleton of what next year could look like. Fair enough. Now, did you notice what I said there? That was pretty psychological. I didn't say should. I didn't say will. I said could. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's up to us to make it happen. We have to do the work. He's licking me again. I see that. That's so weird. This this cat is like Yogi. Yogi loves to just lick, lick, lick your hand or your face or whatever. And Parker will get your hand or your arm and he will just lick the living hell out of it. He does it to me too. Yeah. Does Does Olive do it to you? Yes. They're so weird. And they both have that same thing. Olive and Parker, they want to lick you. Olive's worse. Anyway. And then there's Yogi. Yes, I understand what you're saying with the could. Yeah, and I think that's... I think that's key. Well, because nothing ever goes perfectly according to plan. So if you're saying X, Y, and Z will happen next year, and then they don't, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Well, and also... If you're saying X, Y, and Z could happen next year, and you work towards them... Then you're following your plan, and if the results aren't quite as expected, then you're still okay, and you can just adjust and do better the next year. Right, and I think it's like, okay, if you have this beautiful painting of a pirate ship in full color with fishes swimming around and pirates with you know piles of gold up on the top of the boat whatever that's called the deck if you want if that is considered like the the best plan for next year that's like essentially perfection for 2018 right right well if you say that could be what what our business looks like mm-hmm. then you're right. You could literally, okay, we're going to, in order to get to that perfect plan, we have to do these things. This is our t- tasks list to get there. Well, we might only be able to complete 60% of those things. So the picture, while they'll know it's a pirate ship, might not be completely colored in, right. etc. But it's still a re- representative of what the perfect plan was. Right. And so, and I even look at it this way if the perfect plan is worth, a million dollars a year mm-hmm. in revenue. Well, the imperfect plan might be worth five hundred thousand dollars, and people say, "Oh, well, but if it's sixty percent, yeah." But I believe that money accelerates money. I think that the more money you make, the easier it is to make more money. Right. I mean, if because lo and behold, people is that you have to spend money to make money, and lo and how is it used these days, people? Well, okay, here it is. Big big tech tip here for you guys, and if you need more. Contact us, info at webscientists.net. Uh, sorry for that little commercial, but anyway, th- think about this little tip here. Um, what were you What were you just pointing out? Spend money to make money. Right, so that's an old time saying. But nowadays what they do is they take the money and they say, all right, I'm going to put uh, this much budget on Facebook ads. I'm going to run Facebook ads. And I'm going to drive those Facebook ads to a funnel where I'm going to get people's email address and their first name. And then I'm going to start sending them autoresponder emails that drive them back to the similar funnel, but at a different step. So there's multiple entry points to this funnel. 
Right. And it's all one funnel. So, like, if you went through it from beginning to end, it would be the same thing as if you skipped the first part and moved right to the second part. You would have, you'll still see it. You just won't see the stuff before it. Right. Well, that is the answer. Makes sense. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, sales funnels have been around forever, so. Well, right. And so the answer is, you know, you make... You get up to $500,000, maybe you, you know, double or triple your, that's cute, double or triple your uh, Facebook ad budget. Right. Which then in turn drives more people, which brings you in more money. So, because obviously the goal of every ad spend is to bring in more than you spent. Right. If you're making $100,000 a year and you're spending 5% of that 100000 on advertising and you consistently spend 5%. Yeah, and as you get more and more money, year, it's more cash. You're spending 10 times more on ads. Yeah. I mean... You just die. Right. But it's still 5%. Right. That's why ad spend is usually supposed to be some kind of percentage of your budget. Yes. Exactly. Because it grows based on your growth and shrinks based on your shrinkage. Well, and the best part about that is, like, I used to argue this at restaurants on the run. We had a marketing department. Mm-hmm. And my argument was that they kept telling the marketing department, here's how much money you get. Right. Now, I say that's bullshit. <laughs> I say you tell them, marketing department, you get a budget for salaries of this much money. Then the rest of your budget is X percent. Yeah, because if you limit them to of a the revenue. number, then you're limiting your potential. Well, yeah. Or you're overspending. Right, one or the other, because maybe you're not doing enough um, business to warrant the money they're spending while right. you're wasting money. Right. But uh, conversely, in order to get you ex- to that accelerated phase that I just talked about, they've got to spend some money. Right. Well, they might get to the point where they've eaten up their budget. But if it's based off of a percentage of the revenue, well, by getting more people to come in, they're getting more people to buy, which is increasing the revenue. And as right. the revenue increases, right. they get more money back to the bottom line over and over and over again. And it just keeps feeding itself. And what's great about that model, you know, when you get to the end of the year, you're going to know that you spent money on technology. You're going right. to feel it. Your hosting fees, everything. You're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to feel the... Um, that infrastructure cost of like, you know, utilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That you're going to feel. But what you usually don't feel is the cost of your sales department because your sales department, unless you offer them a ridiculously low base salary, most sales jobs don't have a base salary. They just have commission. Right. Well, you're fine because if you're paying... Let's say 10, keep it around number, like you said, 10% commission, right? right. Well, if they sell $10,000, they're going to make $1,000. If they sell $100,000, they're going to make $10,000. Guess right. what? Guess what? The company actually is making the same profit at both levels, oh duh, because they're giving you 10% away. 
but they're making ten times as much money, but so are you. The argument you just made is the reason that the high-up people at the company I used to work for, that was the reason they gave for not giving us raises in the accounting department. Because we weren't actively bringing in more revenue, so they didn't want to pay us more. But that isn't the argument that I'm making. Well, it's, it was just part of it. The argument I'm the, making is that when you the the commission departments I, have I zero effect, there's no pain I to the company. That. And how can there be pain to the company? It's one of those things. I don't understand how you don't see it's, that's related. Yeah, well, hold on. I'll tell you why I don't see it's related when I finish my point. If if you make zero dollars, ten percent of zero dollars is zero dollars. So if you don't sell anything, I don't pay anything. That's the beauty of the commission structure. You made the point. So I don't understand how. That has to do with a salaried position that's always salaried and has nothing to do with percentage of you revenue. You made the point that departments like that are pain points. Well, yeah, they are pain points. Yeah. So increasing your pain point isn't something they want to do. So they well, give all their raises to the salespeople and never and raises to their other and people. And that's, that's so, not what my argument was about, though. I see how they're related. That's all I was but trying my, to say is but I would respond, I'm not trying to say it's the same thing. But I would respond to that with, you have to take your profits and decide how much percentage of your profits are you going to reinvest into salaries. And whatever that is, you have to look at your structure. How much percentage of your people are in in um what do you call that commission and how much are on a salary or you know hourly basis right and if there's 30 percent that are on a salary hourly basis and 70 percent that are on commission well then that's how you should split that payroll budget up 30 percent should go to the salaried people and 70 percent should go to the um commission people and it's all equal because if there's a hundred people that would mean 30 people are over here and 70 people are over here and if i had a hundred thousand dollars to give out thirty thousand would go over here seventy thousand would go over here each person would get a thousand dollars so it's all equal but that's how you do it fairly so you're going to continue to grow your sales group because they're going to be more and more motivated to sell but you're also going to keep your accounting people happy because you're going to keep giving them a raise constantly. Because the more, the more, no, the more. I'm telling. Do you realize we're not just talking to each other, right? That there's actually people listening to this, and they might not know me so well that they know where I'm headed with it. Okay. That's all I'm trying to say. So in the end, you got to keep everybody motivated. If you don't keep them motivated, and I'm, it's unfortunate, but people are more motivated by money than anything else. But here's the thing that I've seen. S- companies can get away with what they were doing if they treated you like There's a reason none of us kings and queens. Anymore. But they, if they had treated you like kings and queens, they could have gotten away with some of that. Because... You're getting rewarded in a different way. Your job feels satisfying because, hey, they like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I've been in that route before. But at some point, it's still, no matter what, comes down to, you know what? I can't pay my rent with your, gee, thank you, great job. <laughs> so since you keep saying I'm doing such a great job, time to give me a raise. And, you know, so it eventually gets there no matter what. And it's what's funny is the first way you get small, a lot of smaller raises 
Because every time the company gets more money, they give you more money, right? The other way, you get less frequent raises, but you get bigger chunks. So it's all still equal. Right. By that point in time, you might have 8000 over here. You'll get an $8,000 raise. If you don't, something's wrong. You might even get a little bit more because of the gap in time between when you get raises. So you might get the current raise plus some. Whereas this guy only got up to the current race part. But he'll eventually bypass you because that's the only raise you're getting until the next time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But your company that you're talking about used to beat you up internally I hope they go out of business to the too. point where you felt like you didn't want to be, you know, be there at all. Then they wouldn't go through with their promises and they treated you like shit because you were a pain point. All of the things, like they hit all of the check boxes on that problematic thing i don't understand that like how people like you lasted there as long as you lasted well when the economy is shitty and you can't find another job you're kind of stuck with it so that's that's see that's what i was going to ask you next but you just answered the question so it's 100 it an economic to find that job so it's 100 percent economic decision see mm-hmm. i mean it's similar to why i stuck out what i stuck out yep I get it. You know, you took a while to find something like that. You're not going to just step away from it. Right. That's, you know. That it's not thing. like I didn't actively seek out other jobs while I yeah. was working there. Yeah. Oh, I know this. I took you to one of the interviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. <coughs> E&H Milling. Yeah. I remember. They didn't, didn't advertise their job accurately or I wouldn't have even applied to it. Yeah, that's what you said afterwards. But, mm. yeah, I mean, I think it's all about, to me, the bottom line about all of this is just you have to work hard at what you do, no matter what it is. You have to work hard at what you do. That's the bottom line to all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Just work hard at what you do. If you do that, the other stuff's going to come. But the thing, you know, the thing is to figure out how to keep your revenue going up. <laughs> and there's really only, like we talked about, there's really only two ways. Or at least holding steady. Bring in more, bring in more hours mm-hmm. or increase the rate. Those are like the only two ways to bring in, you know, quick money. So that's always an intriguing balance. And I think, I think actually in some situations... Um, raising the rate is appropriate and in other situations bringing in more hours is appropriate well and I think sometimes you have to play the game of bringing in more hours at first and then slowly raising your rate while yeah. dropping your hours and then do it again yeah and again yeah well I mean I think I told you but you know gosh nine years ago mm-hmm I was charging $150 an hour. Right. For what I have to charge $45 an hour now. Right. That's more than a $100 an hour difference. Isn't it interesting? Your cost of living has doubled, but your wage has gone down by 66%. Yeah. That's the problem do you know that the poverty line or, or the eighty four thousand dollars eighty four thousand dollars a year uh-huh 
Do you realize that I was living comfortably in, in Lethbridge for $31,000 a year? Uh-huh. And I didn't feel any pain, really. Maybe I know. sometimes when there was higher bills in a month, but never... I know. Like, I could afford to fly here. I know. I uh, It doesn't make any sense. Mm, I know. Ridiculous, though. Yeah, the economy here is messed up. Uh-huh. I think it's ridiculous to be considered low income, making four thousand dollars a year. But you know, last final comment because we we could go on and on about this. But you know, I saw a news article in the Register today. That's but what, yeah, but it's a great article. point to bring up though, because yet everyone wants to say Obama fixed the economy. I mean, <laughs> maybe somewhere well, else, but not in California. You know, he he's. I'm sure. I guarantee you that things that he did. Helped in some places and in some ways. But, I mean, I'm going to compare it to a person who hasn't been to the gym in a long time and gets out of shape and then goes to the gym and starts working out consistently. Consistently. You're going to lose weight no matter what you do at that point. You could go in every day and do bench press every single day. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose weight. Because you're burning more calories than you were burning before. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the same thing. Those idiots, they're going to eventually hit the target. Almost anything they throw at it will hit the target. Right. Those noises are distracting. <laughs> huh. So, don't fall for that. Just that it was interesting. I mean, I mean, because I feel like Almost anywhere else in the country, you could live comfortably on $84,000 a year. Comfortably. Like, mm. own a house. I think that in places like, I know for sure, San Francisco, you could not. I said other places um, in the country, leaving out California. Because I California know Seattle, you could not. Shit. But I know Seattle, you could not. I know New York City, you could not. So there's, I mean, I think it's the major metro areas that you could not. But here's the thing. But the rest of the country. Well, but here's the thing. 98% of the land mass. Woo! Way to step on my point. Yay! Woo-wee! Oh, yeah! Stepping on my point. Ha! Anyway, I'll finish my point now, if I even can remember it at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stepping Feel on my point. Feel free to finish your point. I'm trying to remember what it was, and I'm lost. I said 98% of the landmass, and that's what you decided was me stepping on your point. You did, though, because I was trying to finish what I was saying. Huh. You were talking about... Oh, I know what I'm trying to say. You can't be in one of the major metropolitan areas. You can be in the middle of the country, though. And why does that matter, whether you're in a metropolitan area or not? I mean, after all, using the internet... Yeah, using the internet, you can fucking go to Thailand. As long as you can connect to the internet, you can work. Shouldn't even laugh at my joke. Because <laughs> if I did at that point, I would have totally lost my point. But that's the point I was trying to make. Is it's like, yeah, so yeah, you could take your eighty four thousand dollars a year and freaking go live in Utah. And guess what? Yeah, you can go live on like you're gonna make a ton of money. You can go live on some badass acreage in Montana with with a boss internet connection. You could literally never talk to any of these people we've classified as stupid in our previous podcasts. Yep. And you could just be happy and be a paid lender. It's like, it's like, um, 
the teen mom show. Mm-hmm. All of them are getting paid buku bucks to be on that show. They yeah. get paid really well. When you consider that really all they're doing is they're letting them come and record their lives. But then, as you can see, as we're getting let in more and more, they get to schedule which things they will let them record and which things they won't. So they have, a little, part, yeah. so they have a little control over that. But also, they have to like make appearances once in a while. And that's it. That's That's the... That's their, quote, job, end quote. So they get paid really well for their job, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So then that's why they have super nice houses and have multiple vehicles and blah, 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 blah. But they don't really work. Right. And it's because of where they live. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when I was in Indiana, you could get a three-bedroom apartment... 1,400 square feet, almost double the size of this apartment for $650 a month. Mm-hmm. So, point being, there's plenty of places like that around the country. So, if you're making really good money as a as a person who makes their money over the internet, well, screw it, man. Go live, where, go live someplace where your money is worth a lot more. Yep. Because let's face it. As a as a freelancer, I don't like the word paid lancer. It's why I'm not laughing at it because I don't think it's funny. You think it's funny, and I think other people think it's funny. I was referencing I, this person, a joke that you funny. read to me the other day. Yes, I know that you thought was hilarious. But I don't think it's funny well. anymore because some other people have killed it. Okay, not your fault. I just don't think it's funny anymore. Anyway, as a freelancer, you're you can work anywhere you want, but you also know you work. More than most people. Right. So what do you want? You got to have a house that's comfortable that you can work in. And the perfect scenario wouldn't be to have your computer in the living room. The perfect scenario would be to have an office where we could work. Because then mentally you transition to, oh, I'm at work now. Dude, if we had a five-bedroom house... You probably pay the same mortgage on a five-bedroom house other places in the country than you could here. Everybody would have their own room, and then we'd each have our own office. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's so much more affordable. Why do you have to live in California? I mean, it's just so much more affordable. That's where my mom chose to take us uh, many moons ago, almost 50 years ago now. 47 years ago. So, anyway, anything to contribute, or are you just going to sit there and give one and two-word answers? I've been contributing, but every time I contribute a long sentence, you tell me I killed your thought. Well, I'm shutting oh, up I've now, been letting so you ramble. no thoughts to kill. To wow, rude. How is it rude? I don't have anything else to say. You want me to is lie to you? comment that was rude, not the last part. Jiminy crickets, man. All right, well, we got a noisy midget next door. Two of them. Super noisy. But you guys, hope you're having a good week. We're doing better than last week, I think. I think everybody's feeling a little bit better. Yeah, that. For the most part. Sickness is slowly getting out of the house. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
So, all right, well. Well, good night, everyone. Hasta la bye-bye. Hey, this is Mike, and I just wanted to tell you that if you enjoyed the show, and I truly hope you did, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and not miss a single episode. But if you happened to miss an episode uh, and you didn't find it on Google Play or iTunes for some reason, you could go to our website, which is thenightlyrant.wordpress.com.